Crusaders and welcome to another edition of Batman, the animated series podcast. I'm your host, Alex Robson, and with me as always is my co-host, my brother, comic book artist and writer, and the guy who famously sings, play with me and you play with fire when eating spicy food. It's Mr. Will Robson. Say hello, Will. <laughs> well, I just discovered uh, super hot tackies or whatever they're called, and my God, they are spicy. So yes, I oh, those a song what those like chips or crisps or whatever they're like rolled up yeah they're like rolled up doritos except dipped in like battery acid because they burn <laughs> so hard yeah that's right they're good though they're good they are very good my mouth's watering just thinking about them because i'm a Me too. Guy who likes spicy stuff <laughs> my mouth just literally salivated yeah. i was like oh i'm gonna oh, bite yeah, that up extra spicy crisps you say oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i've since we last met I'm in a new house. Last I'm in met. a new space. <laughs> Since, well, met on the pod. I'm in a new house. I'm in a new space. So if it sounds different, listeners, I apologize. I've been moving stuff around. I'm in a different room than normal. And I'm not even in the room that I'm going to be recording in in the future. So bear with us and hope it still sounds decent. Maybe it sounds better. It's the room he records in the future. Okay, very nice. Pulling back on Mask of the Phantasm, I like it. Speaking of Phantasm, I forgot to mention one thing that I noticed, that, and we didn't talk about it, which was one of the like big future statues was literally Mr. Freeze. Did you see that? Like he had like no. the rolls on his arms and everything. Like it was just like, oh. a big Mr. Freeze statue. Yeah, he didn't have the helmet, but he had the yeah, like the, the little like connecting arm to torso yeah, like rubber like the, bits the triple yeah the triple bits yes the mike mignola design that's right mignola yeah. i hardly know her <laughs> uh all right well how is the art life bud let's get into that first i am full well god outbreaks my kickstarter is nearly done it's got like three days left if you're listening to this maybe two um and we are so freaking close to unlocking that five grand. We had a backer that came today that was a listener of the show, which I very much appreciate. So thank you very awesome. much for backing. Um, but I need you guys' help. Like, I, if I get hit this 5K, I get to to really make this book special with a, a giveaway of free signed comics by me, where I'll be giving back as uh, a random opportunity to win signed Marvel books, signed DC books, signed IDW books, signed whatever comic I've worked on in my past, I'm giving away for free to my backers. So please come hop aboard and support this Kickstarter. Uh, thank you all, everybody who's done it so far. I cannot thank you enough, but we're, we're at the finish line, bud. It's like two days left. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. You've you've done so much. I'm so happy. I'm so glad that it's been overfunded. And I'm really excited to see issue two come to life and, and read that next whenever it is complete and ready to ship, be shipped out. Yeah, I just finished my work on Howard the Duck and I've now just haven't booked anything. And I've just been working on Outbreaks and, and my other comic, which I'll be launching next year, called Bobster Mash. I haven't talked about that on this podcast yet but no. next summer i will be launching a book that i'm writing and drawing myself called mobster mash and it's like the classic hollywood mo- monsters are all mobsters and they're all in a turf war over tinseltown so it's a really fun little story it's kind of like godfather meets uh fables or godfather meets uh the werewolf within so that's uh yeah that's what i'm doing sounds awesome and it's got a bit of chinatown film noir in it as well doesn't it Oh, it's it's not just a bit, tons of it. So it's super yeah. film noir. So it will feel very Batman the Animated Series. I mean, a lot of the art style is going to be heavily influenced by Bruce Tin's art style. 
uh, along with some Sin City, Frank Millerness in there, a bit of Black Sad, and just yeah, all the goodness yeah. of Noir is going to be. In I there. think it's. I think it sounds awesome. I was really excited when you told me about it, and just the the thought of having like Frankenstein's and werewolves and like vampires and mummies and all these great old school like horror characters mixed in with like gangsters and film yeah. noir and la just sounds fucking awesome so yeah Thank that's you. a really yeah. cool project i'm really excited about it i know a lot of people have been excited about it too if you'd like to stay up to date with that project or any of the projects that i'm going to be releasing you can head to my website speechcomics.com where you can sign up to my newsletter and stay up to date on what I'm working on. And if you go there, it will pretty much link you to my Kickstarter as well. So please go out yeah. and support that. I'd very much appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Links in the description of this episode. And of course, besides you doing the Mobster Mash and Outbreaks Issue 2, you've also got Outbreaks Issue 3 planned for next year as well. So just in case anybody thought that's going away, of course it's not. He's going to keep no. on doing Outbreaks. But just like he's a he's a he's a creative machine and he's just pumping out all these great ideas and great projects so yeah keep your eye out for all of that stuff as he said head to his website and you'll be able to see all of it outbreaks Um, issue three coming march of 2024 awesome so before we go into our guest interview today today we have rich fogel who is a writer from superman the animated series the new batman adventures batman beyond the justice league shows i specifically sat down with him to chat about his new batman adventures so we will get to that in one moment but first we had a casting choice uh, vote that we put out because two episodes ago we were casting andrea beaumont we couldn't decide between Bryce Dallas Howard, Jennifer Lawrence, or Vanessa Kirby. And the votes are in, bud. And by 8% winning the vote, Vanessa Kirby was the one who took it for Andrea. So she beat out Bryce Dallas Howard by 8%. So and who's choice. Vanessa Kirby again? She is in The Crown um, as yes, Princess Anne. and yeah. uh, She's in the new Mission Impossible movies, the last like two, I believe. Um, and she's just very striking. And I found an image of her with red hair. And, like, it's unbelievable how much she looks like Andrea. So yeah, no, I think she'd be really choice. good. Yeah, I think she'd be great. So that was great. And then Jennifer Lawrence got little to no votes. So my oh, actual Jeff. choice. But, yeah, um, any of them would have been great. But I think Vanessa Kirby was the right choice. So thank you guys for doing all of those and voting in. We've got Vanessa Kirby in our live-action fan-casted universe as Andrea Beaumont and the Phantasm. All right, bud, let's dive in. I had Rich Fogel come on. Like I said, he's been an amazing writer in the DCAU. He wrote episodes like Torch Song, which is why I said play with me and play with fire at the beginning of this episode. Uh, He wrote the first meeting of Batman and Superman in the DCAU and so many other cool episodes. Without further ado, let's dive into this chat, shall we? Let's do it. Hello Cape Crusaders, please join me in welcoming a very special guest to our show. He is the writer behind many episodes of the new Batman Adventures, Superman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, The Zeta Project, and both Justice League shows for the DCAU, plus the writer for so many other well-known shows and characters. Please welcome Rich Fogel to the show. Rich, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. Um, So I was quite excited to chat with you today because... Uh, well, first and foremost, you worked on a scene that my brother and I absolutely love. A very important scene, in fact, uh, where Batman and Superman meet for the first time in the DCAU. 
And I remember specifically seeing that for the first time as a kid in New Jersey. And I've always been a big Batman fan. Obviously, I do the podcast on Batman, the animated series. And I, I have grown to really love Superman, especially the DCA, DCAU version over the years. But I always felt like, oh, man, Superman kind of got the best of Batman in that moment until we see that little tracer on Clark's neck and Batman's just there with binoculars and salutes him. It's just such a great moment. So I guess how was that approach to you and where did you know that, that idea and that scene come from? Well, it was sort of sprung on us at the last minute that we were going to be doing new episodes of Batman. Um, you know, we were thick in the production of Superman at that point and and the network said, well, you know, okay, we'll, we'll do some more Batman. And so in order to introduce that, we, uh, we wanted to do this crossover show, the, the World's Finest. And it was something that was done very quickly. Alan Burnett and Paul Dini um, worked hard on the sort of overall structure of, of the story and everything like that. And then it was sort of all hands on deck. It was parceling things out. And it was just sort of the luck of the draw that I happened to get that scene in there. And um, and I remember feeling like the weight of it at the time, you know, right, like, oh, my God, right. this, is, this is the first time that we're doing that. And I remember I remember actually in the world's finest comics uh, in one of the early versions, th their version of the uh, the meeting of, of Superman and Batman for the first time. And they were like on a cruise ship and they were sharing a room and some emergency happens, and they catch each other changing <laughs> mid-things, and we're like, no, that's really stupid. We're not going to do that. <laughs> no, I can't believe that's that's in the comics. Oh, my God, that sounds like a crap reality TV show you'd see or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, on a yeah. boat, and these two icons meeting for the first time. Uh, yeah, I, I much prefer your version. So, um, so, I mean, the sort of beats of it were laid out in the... Um, in the outline, the sort of beat outline that we had for it. But then I was able to sort of play around with it a lot. And um, particularly the staging of the, the fight in the bar or the restaurant and some of the, the sort of interplay between them, um, you know, it all went through pretty smoothly without, without a lot of changes afterwards. So, you know, we sort of hit, hit that one. Obviously you had a treatment that was given to you by the producers. And so you knew, you know, the beats you had to do, but the things like the tracer being on Superman and that's how Batman discovers his identity and, and such like that. Was that something that was conceived and you had to integrate into the story or was that something that you integrated yourself? I, I believe it was, I believe it was in the, in the beat outline at, at that point. And so I just needed to sort of figure out how to convincingly, Stage make it, it and put it make in it cool yeah yeah but you know one of the things that was really great about working on on that series you know superman and the batman was that we had a very tight production unit that everybody had been working on the show for a long time um the writers talked to the to the artists the artists talked to the writers and so it was always a case where and and i'll, I'll get into this a little bit later usually we were all on the same page and sort of had a vision for where we were going. And, you know, and I, I think that, you know, to think about how, how we were going to balance those two characters, you know, that they're both stars and we couldn't have like one of them making a chump out of the other. So it was always a balancing act to sort of right. make sure that, 
when 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 one was bested by the other, there was always a good reason for it. And particularly, you know, because Superman is so powerful that, that Batman has to be, you know, a little bit smarter. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And you, uh, I mean, that, want... that plays that plays really well in that film. Yeah. But you, you don't want Clark to be a chump either. No, absolutely not. You know, he is the Boy Scout, but he's also the Man of Steel, and I get that. It's it's a good balance, and I I think he really walked that tightrope perfectly, to be honest, because as much as, you know, I've always been more on Batman's side and think he's the, the cooler hero, um, as I said before, the Superman the Animated Series show just really kind of brought Superman more into, like, my world of being like, actually, this guy's pretty cool and he's got some cool villains and such. And that's all down to you guys writing that that series and creating these stories that were more like, you know, the Batman show that I was watching before that. So uh, when they met, yeah. that was a really cool moment because I'd only seen that in comics and I'd never seen them meet. It was just always, it was Super Friends, right? Like on TV or like it was in the comics and there it's always Batman, Superman fighting side by side. So to see them square up against one another to begin with and being, and, and basically Superman hasn't faced any human that thinks he can best him in, in arm to arm combat. And then suddenly Batman throws him over to that table, you know, and Superman's like, what did this guy just do to me? You know, <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. It's true that, and we ran into this particularly with justice league is because of the way that, that DC developed over the years, that a lot of the sort of mythology behind the different characters was incompatible. And so when you just sort of put them together, there, there's a real feeling of mismatch about it, which is different than Marvel, where where all of those characters were developed sort of in the same time frame and with the idea that they inhabited the same universe. And so right. it's always a challenge with, with DC characters to like to try and get them together and try and make sense out of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can I can see that. And um I mean, you raised the challenge, like even just remembering Batman having that little bit of kryptonite, you know, where he's like, it doesn't take much, does it? And he's just testing Superman, like how much of this hurts right now? You know, and yeah. that's 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 just so Batman um, just prepared yeah. for any situation. Um, but obviously, Superman can do all those things that Batman can't do. And, and that's where, you know, that the interplay as well, like later on in that film where Superman just busts down the door and Batman's like, you're learning. Like, oh, okay, like, you know, you're picking up on this stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I love all yeah. of that. Yeah, no, they, they, they have a very fun relationship and, and it, we had a good time playing around with it. I bet, yeah. And you also, well, you also worked on another team-up of Batman and Superman um, where you wrote the episode of Demon Reborn um, where Ra's al Ghul steals Superman's powers. And a uh, great episode. Yes. One, one again, because these all belonged to Superman, the animated series, and I didn't watch them as a kid, as an adult, I've discovered them. And it was like discovering new episodes of Batman that I didn't know existed. <laughs> so I loved, I loved that episode. I thought it was really well done. It made sense to have uh, Ra's al Ghul be the one that wanted to steal Superman's powers. And we chatted with Dan Reber on the podcast who directed that episode. He has some great things to say about it and some fun memories. But what do you remember about conceiving that story for that episode? Actually, Dan was a was a big help in that one. Um, he he contributed a lot of good ideas to it, sort of early in the story stages. Um, I mean, my main memory, and and this disappoints a lot of the fans, but at that point, 
um, I was doing sort of cleanup work on the Superman series and was sort of finishing up a lot of the episodes because we were uh, going into development of Batman Beyond uh, at that point. And Alan and Paul uh, and uh, Bruce were sort of preoccupied with trying to get that off the ground. Again, everything was done at the last minute. Everything was rushed. And so um, basically uh, the last last few episodes, I sort of like shouldered the the helm for that and, and did a lot of the heavy lifting on those on those stories. And so unfortunately for me, that one was just one of like, we need a story. We need to get it out the door. There's this idea for, for another Batman thing. Sure, let's do that. <laughs> And, I mean, uh, look, you know, like, even though that may have been the way it came to be, it was one of my favorite episodes to watch, mainly because I guess I hadn't seen an episode of what that included Batman. So I didn't know it existed mm-hmm. until much later. So maybe that was like carrying me through. But I thought it was great. Like, I like the idea that Rachel Gaul, like he's obviously he's out of Lazarus pits. He wants to live forever. Who's the most powerful yeah. being in the world? It's Superman. Like. That makes sure. that's that sounds like a perfect story for a twenty-two minute episode, you know, and like yeah, and, have... and, and for me it was it was a lot of fun because um, I hadn't had a chance to write any Ra's al Ghul episodes yet, and so having a chance to play with that character was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, David Warner's performance as Ra's was just so good. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. So that's cool. You got to kind of play with Batman and Superman again. Um, but I guess, you know, I should have maybe asked this up top, but we'll ask it now. How did you get the job writing for, I suppose it was Superman was the first show um, that you started writing for in the DCAU. So how did that all come to be? Well, um, I actually had worked with uh, Alan Burnett, the producer, uh, years before on Super Friends. And uh, oh, right. episodes. Uh, Excuse me for, um, I, I guess, uh, shitting on Super Friends earlier. Then <laughs> I'm sorry, Rich. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's, <laughs> it's perfectly fine. So Alan and I sort of got started uh, around the same time in the animation business, and I met him uh, like during his first season of of editing Super Friends, and I did a few episodes for him, um, including uh, the one that introduced dark side in that in that iteration of of super friends and for both alan and me at the time it was really frustrating because standard and practices were so strict that we couldn't do any of the things that we really wanted to do with those characters um you know we knew them we loved them we wanted to uh you know tell good stories with them and our, our hands were just tied you know that they you couldn't have them hit anything. You couldn't have them shoot anything. Uh, I even got a note that uh, in the in the in the description I had described Darkseid's ship as a dreadnought destroyer, and I got a note back that said you can't call it a dreadnought destroyer because that's too scary. And I said, but it's not in the dialogue. You know, it's just in the in the description. <laughs> No, you can't call it that. <laughs> so oh that's God. how strict the uh, the standards and practices were on Super Friends. So um, anyway, I, I worked with Alan, and we worked in sort of parallel on, on shows over the years uh, intervening. Uh, we both went to Disney, where he worked on DuckTales, and I worked on uh, Gummy Bears. 
And then I went to, back to Hanna-Barbera and was working on some uh, Flintstone movie specials. And he went to, back to Hanna-Barbera and worked on Pirates of Dark Water. Um, and then he got the opportunity to uh, go and work on, on Batman. But I was still under contract at uh, Hanna-Barbera at the time. And so I was not able to work on that first iteration of uh, Batman, the animated series. And it just killed me because I was like a big fan. And um, that's where you want to be. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, I was watching what, you know, when, when the stuff came out, I was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing what, right. what they're actually doing there. Um, but anyway, you know, I was still working on other things uh, at the time. And then um, when... Superman started up. I got to talking with Alan, and he was like, "Well, you know, you want to write an episode of Superman?" And I was like, "Hell yeah!" You know, I would, I would right. love to. And so I wrote the um, the first episode where Brainiac comes to Earth, um, stolen memories, and they liked that. And so uh, during the first season of Superman, I did a number of freelance episodes for them, and then in the second season, I was brought on as a story editor for it. And so. That's how I got hooked into it. And then the fact that, like, they brought Batman back and we're going to start doing new episodes was like, I, I was the most excited one of all, you know, because they're all like, oh, my God, we've got to figure out what to do with more Batman episodes. We've done so many Batman episodes. And I was like, I get to write Batman. I get to write Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. I mean, like, you've the episodes that um, we'll, we'll talk about here, um, we'll get into the. Well, I guess my first question for you is... You got to introduce Tim Drake. You got to introduce the new Robin into the DCAU yeah. and the Bat and the Bat family, really, because we had some Batgirl before, but not like Batgirl is is fighting side by side with Batman. She was like a little, um, you know, vigilante type thing. So yeah, I guess let's start with with that episode with uh, Tim Drake being introduced. You know, how was that uh, brought to you, and what do you remember about crafting that that whole episode? Well, you know, the the series was sold as being like, okay, now we're going to do basically the Bat family. Um, and uh, the the artwork that was promoting it had, you know, Robin and Batgirl and Batman, you know, all together in it. And, and, and we can get into this later. Some of the artwork even included the Creeper as, as part of the Bat family, which didn't make Did a lot it. of sense to me. Yeah. But the the idea was that he was going to be a a major character in in this as well. So wow, um, that's I wonder what the choice, the thought behind that was. Because yeah, we will get into that because I know that's one of your episodes. Um, but that's that's really interesting. I didn't know that he was going to be a proper member of the Bat family at one point. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, we needed to introduce them, and um, I, again, it was sort of like I don't know whether it was luck of the draw or whatever, but um, they, they assigned me to work on, on the Tim Drake one, and we, we discussed it a lot and hashed it out. Um, I, I do remember that in the early premise stage of it, there was some discussion about who the villain should be in this one, and at one, stage, at one point it was the Joker, and then we said, no, I think it was Bruce said, no, we, we don't want it to be the Joker. That's too on the nose. So then we switched it to Two-Face, and um you know and that worked out pretty well and you know there was a lot of discussion about who we wanted tim drake to be and again 
because there's so much material in the comic books. I mean, it's part of our job, and this is like a dream job, was to read all the comic books from current all the way back to the beginning so right. that we could sort of try and go back to the the core of what the characters could be. Because yeah, um, when, there's, when there's so much material being churned out and churned out, things characters sort of get barnacles on them. They, they get uh, things appended onto them that weren't originally part of the idea and stuff like that. And so we looked at the, at the Tim Drake origin story and it, it wasn't really resonating with us that much. The, the origin that we ended up with is, is a little closer to the Jason Todd uh, mm. origin story, but we grafted it onto Tim Drake because it seemed to be a more compelling story. But yeah, and I guess if you're doing Jason Todd, it's only going to go one way, right? If you're using that character, and yeah. not the kids would have known that Robin died, which probably would have been very shocking for a kid to see the death of Robin in a cartoon series. But for a lot of like, because there were a lot of young adults and teenagers that watched the show as well, they would have known. And I think that's why, like in Spider Man, the animated series, they didn't put Gwen Stacy in as the love interest. They put Mary Jane because everyone's going to know that Gwen Stacy's going to die, right? So, yeah, I I think it was a it was a wise choice to go to Tim Drake, and he's such a great Robin, and he's so different from Dick Grayson. But yeah, he's got some Jason Todd isms in him as well, which I thought was very clever. Yeah. yeah. So um I I think that, you know, luckily DC gave us the freedom to to not be stuck to, you know, one particular canon on these things, that we could sort of create our own versions of them. We we had earned a lot of trust by that point. And we, you know, we we had a I don't want to say mandate because that's not really what it was, but the network really wanted to make Batman more kid-friendly. Um, mm-hmm. The the knock on on Batman over the years was that kids couldn't relate to him, and I don't know what kids they've been talking to because every kid I've ever seen, you know, loves dressing up as Batman, loves playing with Batman. You know, they have no no issues with it, but there was this idea that, that Batman was too scary and too, um, you know, not relatable. And so... I mean, that's um, crazy. Like, as your target audience, right? I was your target audience back then as yeah, a yeah. kid. And I never once was like, you know, I wish I could see more Robin because then I could see myself fighting alongside Batman. I just was watching it, and either I was just enjoying watching Batman or I was like... I can't wait to grow up and be batman right like i want to be batman i don't want to be robin um i mean robin's a great character and especially as i've gotten older i've really appreciated uh robin as a character both dick grayson and tim drake in the dcau but yeah i I, like i don't know who they were talking to or what they were doing back then either because i've heard this from other guests before and it's like you guys were just you guys were doing the best job ever like stop messing with it you know like you just leave them alone and let them do their thing we had a mandate to try and feature some you know more batgirl more robin uh more nightwing uh and stuff like that so you know this was a way of introducing that in there and you know we spent a lot of time trying to get it right and this was the first time that i had written batman for the dcau and I still had a lot of those standards and practices uh, voices 
whispering in my ear at that point. And I think I was holding back a little bit in, in this episode. And they kept saying, no, do more, do more. And I'm like, really? Really? Okay. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so things about putting kids in danger and things about, you know, people hitting each other and, and all, of, all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, we ended up sort of really going for it. And, uh, and I think it, it worked out well. I uh, yeah I totally agree. I think Sins of the Father is a great episode. We had um, the voice of Tim Drake, Matt Valencia, on a little while ago, and he spoke about the first day in that recording booth, and that's the first episode. I oh, know he did the Christmas one before that, but like that was his yeah. episode, right? Like the first big yeah, episode yeah. would say, "This is about me," and he was like a twelve-year-old kid, you know, and yeah, he yeah. Was, it's crazy and it was like so good in it, so good. I mean, such an incredible performance, amazing Robin. Um, and yeah, I was going to ask you when you were writing Tim Drake's dialogue, like did Matt Valencia's voice kind of match up with what you were thinking when you were writing that character? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, uh, you know, at, at the point where we were writing that we, they hadn't recorded a lot yet. So we, we didn't really know what he sounded like, but, yeah. um, but I was really pleased when I, when I heard it, that he just, he had the the right energy, the the right enthusiasm, uh, and the right amount of sarcasm, and it was yeah. just uh, it was great. Yeah, yeah I think uh, uh, Matt's attitude at points, like that's where your Jason Todd kind of comes in, you know, with some of the attitude. Like that's that mm -hmm. side of Tim Drake that you put some Jason Todd in. But yeah, he it was an excellent uh, performance. It's a great episode. I mean, I always love seeing Two Face. Um, I'm obviously going to ask you about Judgment Day as we go through these episodes because I think that's an incredible episode. Um, but yes, it's always great to see Two Face because he's the the best version of Two Face I've ever seen is in this show, hands down. And um, you know, he's not used loads, but when he is used, he's used perfectly. And I thought he was the right villain for for tim drake and and his dad dying i guess i guess tim drake's dad is dead but yeah you know you can't say he, he is definitely dead <laughs> yeah 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 but i thought that was perfect you know he's like a gangster and he's mixed up with the wrong people in two faces gang not like an elaborate scheme by the riddler or the joker or something so yeah i thought that was good yeah I, I did get some some criticism on that show from some fans that it wasn't two face enough but um you know, since it wasn't really a two-faced centric episode, uh, we, you know, we really had to devote the time to uh, Robin and Batman developing their relationship. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And it is too. I think it's too. I, I disagree with fans that saying that. I mean, everybody's got their opinions, but you know, Two Face is setting off a bomb with two different types of liquids, and he wants like I think it's two million dollars, or he's gonna blow up at, at the Gotham City at like two a.m. I, I, you know, lots of twos. Yep. Like I, I, that's that's his mo. That's his thing. Yeah, so we, we, I, we put as I many twos in as we could. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then there's also there's a there's a, there's a line where Robin keeps on referring to Two Face's puke face. And I think that's that I've always loved that. And is that something that was, again, was that crafted and given to you? Or was that something that you came up with uh, when writing that episode? It wasn't given to me, but I, I don't remember at what point it came in. I, I don't remember whether I put it in or whether that was something that Paulini added. Um, it's a great nickname, this, though. You know, oh, it's like, wonderful. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing that's so great about it is that it it really sort of crystallizes this robin's attitude 
which is he's not intimidated by anything. He doesn't respect anything. And, yeah. you know, he's just he's a, a kid. He's a, he's a kid, yeah, who's like 13 and thinks he rules the world. Like, as you yeah. do at 13, right? You're like, I'm a teenager now. I know everything. You're like cocky. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. I, I really love uh, that version of Tim Drake. So uh, moving on to the next one, you introduce Firefly and the Creeper into the DCAU, two characters that, um, I mean, I didn't really know much about until I saw these episodes, particularly uh, Creeper. I had no idea about his backstory and that it was related to the Joker. So with those uh, two separate episodes, with those two characters, uh, what memories can you share with us, you know, with writing those episodes and introducing those characters? Well, again, I, I because I did not work on the original iteration of, of the animated Batman, uh, one of the things that I was interested in doing was seeing if there were any of the support, the rogues gallery that um, hadn't been used yet that could be effective. Um, and I really thought that, that Firefly could be good and, you know, came up with this story, which was an interesting, you know, which was a new take on, on the Firefly origin story. There were some things about that episode that worked well for me, and there were some things that I wished had been a little bit better. One of the things that was a real challenge for them on production of that was because there were so many fire effects, they were like, how the hell are we going to do this? And one of the, the great things about working on this series was they never said, no, you can't do anything. They, they always said, we'll figure it out. And right. in this case, uh, I think Kurt, Kurt Gaeta directed this one. And the fact that we had so many scenes taking place in, in mid-conflagrations was really a huge challenge for them. And what he, what he figured out doing was rather than doing effects animation in a lot of scenes, um, they did new color palettes for the characters. And so they they did uh, basically um, uh, new model sheets that had fire effect lighting on them. And so they were they were painted with uh, oranges and browns and yellows and things like that to okay. indicate that they were being lit by that. And so they were able to just by changing the, the way that they painted the things. And then they put sort of like a heat filter over it and stuff like that they were right. able to make it so that they were able to do that. And I thought that was brilliant and it, it actually worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, um, it, actually you saying that now. Yeah. I remember that. And it's similar because we've uh, just reviewed the beware the gray ghost for the podcast. And there are similar scenes with Batman lit by the mad bomber. When the, the bombs explode, he's lit in that mm -hmm. like orange, orange hue and everything. And it instantly stands out where you're like, Whoa, that looks cool. Uh, and that's exactly what, yeah, you're right. That's what they, they've done in the uh, Firefly episode as well. Um, I, yeah, I think that's a great effect. Um, the one thing that was disappointing to me in the episode, uh, well, there are two things. One was that Cassidy, the, the singer, was supposed to be a, a big, huge pop star. And uh, I wrote the song that she, she sang and had a certain sort of vibe in mind for the song. Um, and it didn't end up that way. And and what right. happened was that uh, Bruce was was driving his children to school, and they were listening to Britney Spears on the radio. And 
Britney Spears just really annoyed him. And so he okay. was like, I want to make her like Britney Spears and I want to make her really annoying. <laughs> right. Okay. I see. All right. Well, that explains a lot about that character then, I guess, in that episode in like her attitude, uh, and how she interacts and, with people. And so the obsession that Firefly had with her was based on the, in my, from my point of view, was based on the idea that she was really talented and that you could see somebody falling you know, becoming obsessed with her. But then when you right. like see her singing this awful song, it's like, why would anybody <laughs> care? You know, it's so funny though, Rich, is that you're, uh, you're right. It is a, it is an awful song, but it's one of those awful catchy songs. So my brother and I will sometimes say to each other, like we'll sing like play with me and you play with fire. Like we love doing <laughs> that because it's a ridiculous tone and beat to it, but it's catchy yeah. and I remember it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's so no, I, I know I, I know it probably was better in, in your head. I'm sure it would have ended up better, but uh yeah, it's catchy. I will I will give it that. No, I no, I, I remember Shirley Walker coming up to me and saying, you know, oh I just you know, I just recorded your song there and it's it's just like ridiculous. <laughs> she, she was so excited about it. I mean, she she absolutely achieved what Bruce wanted, but uh, fr from my standpoint, it, the story might have worked a little bit better if uh, <laughs> if it hadn't been that. If um, it had been, yeah, if she, if she would have been someone that you could, as you said, totally understand why the Firefly would be obsessed with her. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, so my my other disappointment with with that episode was that originally I had conceived it as a uh, as not a two-part episode, but one that would have a sequel to it. Um, and the idea that I had was that um, Cassidy was so traumatized by this experience that she had with Firefly that she would become obsessed with fire um, just as a way of trying to master her fear. Of oh, okay, it. cool. I like that. Yeah, that sounds cool. And that she would become the next Firefly. Ooh, that's that's cool. I like that. That's fun. Yeah, well, yeah. I liked it. I liked it too. But uh, but Alan and Bruce thought that that's even a little too dark for us. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I, I maybe it maybe at the time, but yeah, I mean, you see. I can see that happening definitely in Batman because it's the sort of like the victim then becomes the villain, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I dig that. That's really cool. I like that story. Yeah. Uh, and then with the creeper and introducing a very different, very unknown, I would say he's probably the most unknown Batman villain to me, the creeper at the time, you know, compared to all of the other rogues gallery uh, villains that we saw. But uh, instantly stood out, was great fun. So what do you remember about uh, con conceiving that story for that episode? Well, I was a big fan of Creeper because it was uh, one of Ditko's first things that he did after he left Marvel and went over to DC. And it was his own, it had nothing to do with Batman. It was his own thing. And it was just, it was just a weird Ditko thing, you know? And, yeah. And, and I always found that to be fascinating. Um, and so when they said, we're going to do the creeper, I sort of had the same reaction that, that you did, which was what we're doing the creeper really. Right. Um, and so I wrote a treatment for it, um, that laid out basically what's in the story there. And the problem that we had was that the creeper is such a strong character 
that it was very difficult to make it a Batman story. It was a creeper story. Yeah. Um, it was an origin story um, for, and he's not really a villain, is he? He's like a, no, a, no, he's not. He's a hero more than anything. Yeah. Yes, he's 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 a hero, which was what he was in the comic books, and so that one sort of kicked around on the back burner for the whole time that we were in production, and it was, as I said, the idea was that he was going to become part of the the Bat family in some tangential way, but because people were not sold on the idea that it worked as a Batman episode, it sort of just kept getting pushed pushed back into the schedule. Right. And so finally, finally we got like towards the end of the schedule and like, we haven't done the creeper yet. We need to do that one. And finally we just said, Oh, screw it. You know, we'll just do it this way. And by that time I was busy on, on other things. And so Steve Gerber um, wrote the script and I think Stan Berkowitz edited it. So, my contribution was sort of like I knew the lore of the creeper and I knew sort of how to lay the story out so that we we told it, but then they sort of ran with it and, and added all all the fun elements of you know great dialogue, um, great humor and stuff like that was 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 all from them. Yeah, so. yeah. And of course, like I love how he's he's in love with Holly Quinn. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's 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 always pining after the Joker, and obviously he's he doesn't feel the same way about her. Yet Creeper feels the same way about her, and I love that love triangle that's going on there and such. Like I thought that was very well done. That's really clever. Um, yeah, it's a great episode, and I remember being like, "Who's this guy?" As a kid, uh, but after seeing it, I was like, "That was fun." Like I like seeing. It's like another, it's another Joker, but it's a totally different person. So it's a totally different attitude that he brought to that insane mix of chemicals that turns you into a bleach skin maniac. I guess. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. So that's that's yeah, cool. Again, the 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 idea was that he was going to be sort of like this. Uh, I mean, another vigilante sort of good guy, but one who was off his rocker and that would cause batman a headache i was thinking when you said he he almost was a part of the bat family or at least in one um one phase or uh one treatment and i was instantly thinking i was like i'm so glad that didn't happen because conroy's batman it would have just been too jokey dealing with like this like kooky maniac you know constantly like annoying him it would be very like mm -hmm. freakish it would be like freakazoid right like another yeah. bruce tim thing yeah, and it exactly. would have just yeah it would have been too much for that that show so i'm glad he wasn't a part of the bat family that's that's still really interesting to to find out um so there's an episode i don't know if you like talking about this episode but i i don't know why it gets a lot of uh, not a lot of flack but it's not as loved as some of the other ones but there's mean seasons which is an episode that no one really oh, talks I about love that much. Mean seasons. I love I, mean okay, seasons. I, I I do too. Let's talk about it because I don't think many people talk about this episode, and I think it's a good one. So what what can you share about that episode? Well, again, as I as I told you earlier, I was going deep into the uh, into the index of the rogues gallery, and there was one uh, a calendar man who was a really stupid uh, mm. villain that they had, and. You know, of course, I brought that up and Bruce said, no, we're not doing that. That's stupid. But there was something about it that was sort of tickling around in the back of my mind. And then I 
thought about making it Calendar Girl and what would be her thing and this idea of revenge for um, for having been slighted over the years uh, came up. And so I wrote the basic treatment for that. And then Hillary Bader uh, came in and, and I think she did the full outline and, uh, and wrote the script. And she brought just the perfect sensibility into that thing. She dealt with issues of ageism and sexism uh, in a way that was light years ahead of its time. I mean, the, the fact that we were doing that at that point was true, yeah. was just remarkable. And uh, she she came up with the idea of, of her Chippendale henchman, which which I loved. Yeah, that was um, fun. That's that's a bit Batman sixty six, and I love that. Yeah, well, I mean, at, at one point, uh, I th the uh, Penguin had had uh, some sexy girl henchman and stuff like that and so this was just a way of doing a flip on that which is why not yeah absolutely yeah i totally agree no i love that angle of it and i love her expressionless mask you know like that she she wears and the fact that she's not scarred at all underneath you know and that she's she's just gotten a bit older but she sees herself as this broken uh old like nobody wants me type thing is is yeah, very was, clever uh, that was that was a uh, a thing that that Bruce uh, stole from from Jack Kirby actually, um, which was Jack Kirby's idea was that Doctor Doom mm -hmm. underneath his mask, you know, that he thought he was so hideous that he just has like one little scar or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he he was sort of riffing on that. Um, That's there was cool. no, another point I was. Gonna, going to make on that this was really an all hands on deck thing also the in the network premiere scene uh we actually went to parties like that for the for the wb and they were these huge overblown things and so we had fun sort of uh parodying that but those little mm. clips that they showed of of the shows were um paul dini contributed those that that which i thought were hilarious the the team cop and the uh, oh the model yeah yeah and, and all of that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've just remembered those. Those are fun. Yeah, all of the like, here's what's to come this summer, and it's like, yeah, yes. that's that's a lot of fun. That's cool. Exactly. And, and the the dinosaur scene was partially because at the time Jurassic Park was sort of like a, a a hot thing, and so we were like, yeah, we can we can do dinosaurs, and it's like, wait a minute, you know. The Batcave is supposed to have a dinosaur in it, and so we can do a story that would be a nod to that, you know, that might explain why there's a dinosaur in there at some point. Again, I love that, because they did the giant penny and almost got him, and that's why he's got the giant penny in the Batcave. But where'd the T-Rex come from? And you guys answer that, and I love that. And that's one thing, like, when I said Mean Seasons um, gets a fair amount of flack, I don't, when I say flack, I don't mean it... I, I used the wrong word there. It's 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 an episode that gets lost, right? In like the pantheon of episodes, the great episodes, the ones that like stand above the rest, um, that people watch all the time. That's one that gets skipped. Kind of like in the uh the first iteration of Batman the Animated Series with Baby Doll. Like that episode yes. You oh, know, that one's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's it's got the same feeling as Mean Seasons about this tragedy of this person that is like completely seeing herself 
as as someone different than the the way the world sees her and or you know she she wants revenge all of these things it's it's similar beats but as a kid i guess that's not what you're you're so you're soaking in when you're watching this stuff but that's what i love about the shows because there's so many different episodes um for so many different levels of age as you go on you know like there's episodes that i loved as a kid and then when i was a teenager i loved a set of different episodes and then when i was a young adult there was a different set and now as you know uh, I, I call myself an adult but i think i'm still just an overgrown kid but my point is, <laughs> is that like you know i i see the layers in mean seasons i see the layers in baby doll and like episodes like that that i have a huge appreciation for now so yeah, I think Mean Season's great, and the fact we know where the T-Rex kept, comes from is just another extra cool fact um, that you guys laid in there, so that's great. So, the other thing about that one is it's a it's a beautiful-looking episode. It's it's uh, the uh, the Japanese uh, director and unit that did that was their A-team, and it just came out looking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I. Uh, it's so interesting because obviously the new Batman Adventures has the style that fits with when it went from Fox Kids over to Warner Brothers, and you have the Batman that now lives with the Superman, and they look like they're from the same world. And I loved all of that. Is there any iterations of characters that you prefer from the original animated series, and is there any iterations of characters that you prefer from the new Batman Adventures? when you look at them and if you're like i don't want to answer this then you can <laughs> you can be like i don't want to answer that no i i think it was a, a bold move for them to to redesign going into the, the new adventures because everybody knows what batman animated looks like you know and mm -hmm. it was really taking a risk to do that um and yet both uh Bruce and Glenn Murakami said that it was stupid not to use the lessons that they had learned over the years to try and improve it. And and Bruce is always, you know, one to never settle for what where you're at right now. It's like how do we push it? How do we how do we make it better? And so, you know, the biggest criticism that they had was that this version of the Joker didn't have red lips in it. But he's so sleek looking and so sort of sinister looking. It's like, yeah, I mean, he, he's pretty good. And then when we went on into Justice League, they sort of dialed it back a little bit. And so it's a sort of combination between the two. And I think that's where they hit the sweet spot on right. that version of the Joker. But uh, but yeah, I, I like the designs of of this. I thought, you know, like Two-Face looks amazing in the in the new animated. Mm -hmm things um and batman, i mean batman looks amazing too you know batman, and ba and batman does too and and sort of to my point about production you know if you if you are really serious about going back and looking at some of those uh early uh batman animated episodes he he looks a little lumpy in some episodes uh, yeah whereas yeah this you know he's got those sharp angles and everything like that and he looks very sleek all the time yeah so, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because, um, you know, in the older version, Bruce Wayne, we were just talking about this recently, actually, you know, he's got this brown and mustard yellow suit that's very bulky and big. Like, you know, he's he's got the bat suit on, on under there, basically, in the cape, because it was so bulky, and he looks like this big square with feet. 
but yeah. um yeah in the redesign they give him like a black suit and red tie and like they give him the angles and like the torso is thin and the shoulders are broad and it's like oh okay yeah he's wearing a suit that actually fits him that's nice like that's good to see as well he has enough money to have a suit that actually fits <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah I, I i agree with you there's i mean there's some major changes and there's some minor changes to characters like holly looks the same you know and stuff yeah. like that because she's her outfit is just perfect but um yeah i think you know the joker you did it he is great in the batman animated series and then the changes were a bit too extreme like he had these like black eyes and i know it was because he was like a great white shark type thing i think i've 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 heard bruce tim say that once but that combination of taking that that sleekness of the new animated and then combining it with like the yellow eyes of the old and like giving him red lips so in the justice league yeah he looks really menacing in that in that series and i think he looks great one one minor thing is that in in the new adventures batman doesn't have the uh the yellow around the bat symbol on his chest. Mm, I love that. And also he's got a belt with, with pockets. Yes. Which yes. I love and too. Yes. And so um, that, that sort of goes back to my childhood, which was when I was a kid, he didn't have the yellow bat symbol. And then when the, when the uh, TV show came along, they added the yellow symbol. And I always thought that was not right because if you're trying to like skulk around in the shadows why do you want to have a bright yellow thing on your chest <laughs> yeah that's a that's a fair point um yeah there was actually there's a on a side note what i um someone i think it was kevin smith tried to make a story with that yellow symbol which is um well and also frank miller did that before in the dark knight returns it's a target you know what i mean and it's like uh it's got like bulletproof vests and stuff like on it but yeah, yeah as yeah. a as a thinking device for that character like skulking around yeah you don't want something bright yellow popping out like robin's in bright yellow and red and stuff and you're like what are you doing dude um <laughs> speaking of actually good segue speaking of robin you wrote old wounds which is one of my favorite episodes um seeing what happened to dick grayson you know why he left batman and became nightwing and no longer the sidekick um that's one that stands out to me as like one of the best of the series because it's you've been watching these characters you know for years from batman the animated series to the new batman adventures and when he shows up at the end of the tim drake episode uh sins of the father and he's got like the the mullet and you know you wrote that and then you got to continue on and write the story of why mm -hmm. he left as robin um did you pull from comics for that? Were there what inspirations when you were crafting that story? Did you have? Well, again, we were we were tasked with sort of figuring out this whole bat family dynamic, and um, we had a lot of discussions about how Barbara got integrated into the family. Uh, how was that going to happen? Um, and again, what what caused Dick Grayson to leave? And so those were the sort of two big questions that we had hanging over our heads. And we we proposed a lot of different scenarios for it. Um, and I proposed that Batman brought Barbara into the Bat family, and that it caused a rift with with uh, Dick because of that, because of his feelings for her. That made sense to me. 
Um, Paul Dini had a different idea, which was this idea that Batman had gotten to be too much, too much of a badass, too focused on his thing, and and had this idea for this scene of Batman beating the crap out of a thug in front of his family and in front of his small child. Right. And Alan ever being the uh, the the diplomat and the uh, the genius behind the scenes said, well, why don't we do both of them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Combine them. That makes sense. Give him more reasons to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, we had these sort of like two half ideas that we sort of fused together. Um, and uh, it worked out pretty darn well. I'd, I'd have to say, you know, uh, but- yeah, man, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the most watched episodes of the new Batman. The thing, the thing is that like, Batman is very hard ass in this episode and the things that he does to Dick in that episode really are unforgivable but understandable. And from Dick's standpoint it's like why do I need to put up with this anymore? You know. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Yeah, he's not he's not like under his wing anymore as far as like being adopted and he's not like, you know, a kid in the sense he's he's graduated and he's he's an adult. Uh, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So there's so there's a lot of a lot of complex feelings there, but for our purposes, it did a lot of the heavy lifting of what we needed to do for the series to make sense. You know, mm. that it answered those questions that the audience might have have about Barbara's position, why she's in the Batcave all of a sudden, and why Dick isn't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I I love that you don't answer that right away like you're watching the show and you know you're watching all these great episodes but in the back of your mind even as a kid i'm like so why did he stop being robin and then eventually when that episode came i just remember being like that makes perfect sense and just loved it like i love when he like he he punches batman you know he's just like i'm not taking this anymore he throws his mask and his cape off and he's he's done like he quits yeah. and that's such a great scene i love that scene so much um and so well performed by laura yeah. mester like what a great robin um yeah I, I i think it's just a fantastic episode when i saw that um you were behind the story on that i had to chat with you about it because it is like one of the big ones that everyone watches and talks about still yeah and and the fact that that bruce is sort of redeemed a little bit at the end by the fact that he helps support connor uh, he hires the, he hires the guy yeah as he security. gives him a life and and all of yeah. that you know is is, is really sweet and that, and that that is opens the door that allows nightwing to rejoin the family basically yeah that's true yeah because they see the bat signal at the end and they both fly off to together tim drake and and dick grayson both go towards it together yeah it's a it's a it's a fantastic episode and it's such a great beginning middle and end it closes out just as well as it opens yeah i think it's it's a really good one and then uh finally i really wanted to chat with you about two-face in judgment day because again i mentioned you know two-face is a great character for this show so well done you know way back from when randy rogel and alan Burnett first came up with his split personality and and um that whole angle to the character that has been utilized in other shows and films since but there's only so many stories i remember alan Burnett saying there's only so many stories you can tell with two-face like clayface uh, as well 
But this I thought was great because it delves back into his psyche. So with Judgment Day, you create a whole other personality for Two-Face and also, you know, do a pretty damn good job. Like as a kid, when at the end, I'm like, okay, it's going to be this guy. And then I was like, wait, it's Two-Face? You know, is this judge? <laughs> like, it was like a whodunit where I was like, oh my God, that was... So what memories do you have in, in the... Where did that story come from? And um, what memories do you have writing it? It was inspired... Uh, going back to... Uh, you had earlier mentioned uh, Alan Burnett's Hitchcock influences. Right. Um, it was influenced by Psycho, actually. And it occurred to me that Two-Face has this split in his personality, but the Harvey Dent side always gets outweighed because he's all about justice and the application of justice and all of that. And mm. I thought about, well, what if, what if that side of his personality split in half again and that... The two-faced side of him isn't aware that there was the split on the other side. Yeah, um, I mean, just you describing it, and I know the story, but I'm like, it's just, it's such a great idea, man. It's so good. I love it so much. It 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 made a lot of sense to me. To some people, they they didn't like the idea because they said, "Well, he's two-faced. He's not three-faced." But um, you know, that's, it's, yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's fine, but I, I, I do. I it was it was an idea that really resonated with me, and I was glad that Alan liked it. I wanted to sort of go back to my beginnings with Batman, uh, which was my first memories of Batman when I was a kid. The first Batman comic book that I got and remembered reading was a giant-sized annual called "The Thousand and One Secrets of Batman and Rob. Okay. Um, which I'm going to show you right here. This is a reprint of it. Oh, I, you know what? I've seen that cover. Um, yeah. I remember. I remember as a kid seeing that cover as well. What? Yeah, that's a that's a great cover. I love that. So, um, what this had in it was the origin of Batcave. It had strange costumes. You know, all of his costume variations and things like right. that. It had thrilling escapes from like death traps. And, <laughs> Stuff like that. It had uh, amazing inventions like him uh, flying around on, I don't know whether you can see this, but he's got the, the bat glider wings. Oh, on. yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Right there. And I realized later on that, like, all of the episodes that I wrote had elements of this kind of stuff. It had the giant props inside it, you know. Um, yeah, the, were, I mean, the T-Rex, we just talked about that, right? The T-Rex and the yeah, cave, yeah. where did that and come from? So this, this episode, for me, encapsulated a lot of what sort of was ingrained in my brain as, like, the quintessential Batman. So it had no Robin or Batgirl in it. It's a strictly Batman story. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So it's it's old school from that. It has a huge cast of rogues gallery, in it mm -hmm. lots of lots of different villains it lots has of red herrings yeah 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 it has it has a mystery you know he's a yeah. detective who's having to yeah. solve mysteries he, you know he's he's having to use his his computer files to figure out what the, what this prop was um mm -hmm. I, I remember i remember a batman story where he goes into his into his files 
to determine what kind of hammer the villain was using. Uh, and so it sort of harkens back to that. It um, So it has all of these elements that I associate with it. So to me, it's sort of like the ultimate Batman episode. Now, the, the big element that Alan added to it was the uh, Councilman Corcoran character and the whole sort of political uh, sleaziness and and uh, back dealing that he was doing. And that added a whole other level of sophistication to the story that I Yeah, I he's, thought... he's a great character and a great red herring in that episode. Um, and also, it's funny that Alan Burnett added to him because it's very reminiscent of another character from Mask of the Phantasm, that, like, uh, that guy... Oh, I can't remember his name now, that character's name. But he's a, basically a sleazy guy that's, like, he's in love with Andrea and he could be the Phantasm. You know, it's not yeah. until the Joker, like, poisons him and you realise, oh, he's actually been, like, collaborating with the mob and he's the reason. You know, it's it's a he's a red herring, but he's still not clean by the end of it. He's not a good guy. There's yeah. dirty stuff that, like, you find out just like with Cochrane in, um, in Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I thought that that helped the whole thing come together. And I, I used to always joke that, well, I was the guy who killed Batman because that's the last episode of <laughs> the animated Batman. <laughs> so that was going to be my question is, I assume, like most shows, you didn't know that was going to be the last one at the time. Um, it just, no. no. Yeah. Um, I don't think you killed Batman at all, man. I like, I think that that episode as the one that you go out on is especially with what you just described and made me realize Batman on his own. There's a mystery like going back to a lot of the basics where essentially where it started with Batman, the animated series is Batman on his own and there's a mystery and he's trying to solve it using his detective skills. Like that was some of the core elements that they, they started with in Batman, the animated series. So with all of these changes and all of these amazing storylines and all of these characters that you brought in, over the years i think that's fantastic that it actually it's quite poetic it gets to end like that you know and just a a one crime whodunit batman story with a really cool twist with two-face being the guy and he doesn't even know he's the guy you know like yeah. i love that yeah it's um and for me like i was saying earlier because i hadn't worked on the earlier iteration of batman having the the opportunity to do a solo batman story was like really special to me it's what you've been waiting for yeah 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 absolutely yeah i think it's fantastic just remembering other scenes like you know uh two-face uh going to the penguin because he's like an underground arms dealer which i always loved that that where they took the penguin in the new batman adventures he's this nightclub owner but he's actually selling arms to all of gotham's criminals and two-face comes and he buys that stuff and then suddenly the judge shows up right like after killer croc has been there and all of that and i think that's really clever because you don't think like oh two-face has left and then the judge has come in they must be the same person you know you mm -hmm. just think like oh this is the story that we're telling um and especially with the trap door and two-face like being like oh, there's a way out oh wait it's blocked how did he know about this yeah it's a fantastic episode so my hat's off to you rich because it's, they, it's a they, they made a good a good call in that um they cast a different actor to do the judge's voice uh, yes. because they really did not want 
the audience to be able to pick up on the fact that this was was Two Face, and so yeah. that that was that was another red herring that just sort of led you down a different different path. Absolutely, and much like with again going back to Master of the Phantasm, the Phantasm doesn't have andrea beaumont's voice you know it's it's a completely yeah. different voice so you you're throwing off the scent um yeah brilliant stuff one of the things that that i found interesting though is that like a lot of a lot of the ideas that we came up with in the animated series um have gone on to become part of dc lore in other uh venues you know so you see yeah i mean like harley quinn showing up in the comic books after being introduced in the in the animated series and uh the tv series gotham uh actually took a lot of stuff from the animated series and at one point yes. i was watching it and michael chiklis was playing a character who has who gets this same split in his personality um and becomes a version of the judge. And I remember watching it as at the time, it was like, oh, are they really gonna do this? Are they really doing this? Yes, they're doing mm, it. So, right, and he's I so, see. He's sort, of, he's sort of like a mixture between the phantasm and the judge. And um, obviously they you know, they watched it and were fans of it and found a new way to iterate it, which, which I love. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love that you just brought, like I haven't even really put it together, but like you created a new villain for Batman. The judge is, is a new villain. Even though it's Two-Face, it's not Two-Face. You know, it's a new villain. Yeah. And he's a very cool villain because, again, you know, he's judge, jury, and executioner, right? Like he's just there to, he's not out to rob or anything. He thinks he's doing the right thing, but he's, an ex again, an extreme version of Batman, which is always interesting to see when people go too far thinking that they're doing the yeah. right thing um and yeah he looks cool as well like he looks like you know like one of the ring race out of lord of the rings with like a judge hat on and stuff like that like mm -hmm. you know no facial features just this dark silhouette he's yeah he's really cool and got different different weapons that all are to do with like the court and law and such so yeah he's a great he's a great villain um so yeah, thank you for sharing all of the the behind the scenes stories and all of those episodes. I guess um, what I usually like to do is, you know, uh, I ask. I think you've kind of already answered this, but maybe there's more. Uh, are there any stories that you ever wanted to tell? You told me about the Firefly and the continuation of that storyline. Is there any others that maybe you never got to tell that you wanted to? I was really interested in trying to do something with Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Uh, <laughs> okay. With the idea being that they had a, a psychic connection between them, and that um, Batman couldn't pin anything on them because if one did something, the other one could claim he was someplace else and be able to right. corroborate the story. And so there was a whole thing about that, but we were never able to sort of like make that that story work. But but I always liked those characters. Yeah, that sounds fun. That sounds cool. Um, yeah, that would have been really interesting. I mean, again, you hear things like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, but then you did so many random characters and did so gave them such a great spotlight that I'm sure that if ever it was made in DCAU, I would have been like, Tweedledee and Tweedledum? Who are these guys? Watched the episode and been like, well, they're awesome, and now I now love them as well. So a lot like the Creeper yeah. and all these other ones. That's yeah, cool. and we did, we did write a... Uh an outline for a copperhead story also 
um, that never got made. Oh, I think I've, 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 I think I had, um, was it maybe Paul Dini that mentioned that once? But yeah, that would have been cool as well. That's uh, that's another random villain, but yeah, I'm sure it would have been really cool to see. So yeah, we've had quite a few guests on this show, and they've all shared some amazing stories about working with the late, great Kevin Conroy. We've also just sadly lost Arlene Sorkin as well, which was um, really sad to see. And there's been an amazing, um, there's been just an amazing fandom online of just people just, you know, praising her for her work and essentially lending her voice to, you know, uh, the creation of Harley Quinn, because without Arlene Sorkin, we wouldn't have Harley Quinn, you know, and the attitude and the tone that she brought to that role. Um, and you even wrote some Harley Quinn stuff, obviously, in, in World's Finest and I'm sure other episodes like The Creeper, obviously. Um, yeah. But are there any memories that you have that you can share with us of uh, either Kevin or Arlene um, with your experiences working well, on those shows? Well, Arlene was so special because that that voice that she created was so specific and so full of joy and life. Um that that it just it it made that character what it is and you know ever since then anybody who's done that voice has had to sort of lean to what what she did um it, it's it's pretty iconic and the same thing with kevin too i mean his interpretation of batman was very very well considered and he he understood that character inside and out um and going to recording sessions, I never had a line that he struggled with. Um, he knew exactly what to do with it, and um, it was it was great. But I worked with him for many years, and I always found him to be, although very pleasant, he was a very private man. That he mm -hmm. um, he didn't share a lot about his life because he was he was at a a, a point where he did not feel comfortable with sharing who he was yep um, yeah absolutely yeah and um and yet i also remember that like going to the emmy awards and stuff like that that he showed great kindness to like he took my mother under his wing at the emmy awards and was like well you know let sit with me and and let's talk and all of this and she was just smitten with him you know because he was <laughs> He was so generous and giving with his time, and and uh, the fans have found that later on when he started going to conventions and and things like that, that he really was genuinely interested and had a genuine uh, humanity about him, mm. and uh, that that translated into that Batman voice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a true superhero, wasn't he? He really was. Just yeah. Yeah. what a dude yeah oh that's amazing i love that with your mom that's that's just extra special because it's like batman's you know talking with my mom and you know making her feel welcomed and comfortable that's so nice um yeah. now i obviously see some really cool memorabilia behind you rich uh what memorabilia what are some of your favorite things you've kept from the show where it's everyone's favorite segment where i get to see some cool stuff and i only get to tell you about it because it's an audio only podcast <laughs> Well, I'm I'm a big Jack Kirby fan, and okay. so the the uh, Superman uh, cell that is is over the mantle there has uh, Supergirl and Apocalypse and Darkseid and the Parademons and all of that, and so 
a big part of what I did in the in the Superman series was bringing a lot of the uh, Kirby you wrote the ap- world. you wrote the Apocalypse episodes, didn't you? Yeah, I, I wrote yeah. a lot of the Fourth World stuff that's in uh, almost all of it that's in the Superman series, and so yeah, that that cell is very special to me because it sort of represents all of those things that I that I love. And then what Kirby, and what Kirby created, and then you get to write for. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, it's a great yeah. looking cell as well. Uh, okay, yeah. what else? What and else the, we got in this the, treasure trove? The uh, Batman Beyond mask that's hanging on the wall is, is mm-hmm. sort of my uh, my tribute to the Stalker, who was a character that I created who hunted Batman. Yeah, much uh, in the vein of sort of Craven the Hunter, but for Batman yeah, Beyond, that, which I love. Thing. So I've I've got Batman Beyond's head on my wall. And... <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> what he always wanted to do. Yeah, that's that's yeah. great. I love that. Uh, yeah, and you got some great figures back there and some statuettes. I love that stuff. Dan Reba gave me or sold me the uh, the Superman maquette because I wasn't on on staff the first year, and uh, so I didn't get that the first time around and he's like well you have to have one and i've got an extra <laughs> one so here and i was like oh my god thank you so much i can't live without that dan is just one of the most generous dudes like when he's uh, he's been on the show but also when i have like questions he's always happy to answer them and like give me his mm-hmm. time and he's got an insane amount of memory and knowledge of all that stuff yes. um yeah he's yeah. such a good dude that's great uh, so can you share with our listeners what you're working on now? What's going on um, currently for you? Um, well, for for the past few years, I've been working on a preschool show called uh, Octonauts Above and Beyond. This is a an extension of a show that has been popular for the past 10 years called Octonauts, which was about... Um, the short pitch is that it's sort of Star Trek underwater. It's about a, a group of scientists and adventurers who go underwater and interact with all of the weird, real sea creatures that there are on the planet. And we learn about <laughs> all of the amazing abilities that, that they have. And in Above and Beyond, uh, we expand the cast a little bit and they go up onto land and they begin to uh, interact with um with uh, land creatures and particularly it has a lot to do with uh, climate change and how that's affecting the these creatures environments and what what we can do to try and minimize the effects of, of climate change uh, oh, wow. on okay, the, cool. and on and on the creatures and so that is going to be premiering on BBC on September 25th new episodes uh, actually on September 11th some episodes that have been on Netflix are moving over to BBC. Um, okay. And so um, if you have if you have kids, uh, check it out. It's, uh, it's a really fun show. That sounds awesome, yeah. And I've got BBC, obviously. I'm in England. So, yeah, I will, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Well, Rich, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's been a pleasure. I really, Like some of your episodes, man, like I said, are just the, the highlights of the new Batman Adventures for me um episodes that i've watched so many times so to to understand like the person that crafted those and um to hear some of the behind the scenes stories i've never heard before um it's been it's been a pleasure so thank you so much for coming on the show well thank you so much for asking me and thank you for being a fan yeah of course man
uh when we come to some of your episodes maybe we'll be able to have you back so you can talk about it more when we're reviewing those episodes that'd be great absolutely well that was fun who's for chinese All right, bud. That was so great hearing from Rich. I'm so pleased you could come on. He was full of such amazing information and a few things I want to chat with you about just to go over because I haven't got to really chat with you about this interview yet. First of all, the world's finest, Batman meeting Superman and that balancing act of those two meeting. Like I know that you love that scene and you refer yep. to that scene quite a lot as one of your memorable ones from the DCAU, especially because the tracking device on Superman's cape you know, and Batman just it's, saluting yeah, him. Yeah, it's one of the, my favorite scenes of all time in any of these cartoons, or any any Batman scene, really, just, you know, Batman figuring out who Superman is is, like, the coolest thing in the world. Because, yeah, Superman just cheats, right? He just looks through, sure. boom, done. But this human being, like, figured out your secret identity, like, that's just nice. Isn't Batman the best guy? Batman is so good, man. He's and just best. talking talking with Rich, like, I realized in that scene... Batman is the first human being to physically square off against Superman in the DCAU. And he just tosses him across that table in that nightclub. And Superman's like, what the fuck just happened? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's how brave Batman is. Like, I I know that I can shock you with what I'm about to do. Because Lex Luthor, sure, it's, he uses his intellect, but he hasn't physically gone up against no. Superman. And yeah, it's just awesome. So uh, Rich said one of the things that he really had to balance the entire time during writing that that meetup was you can't have one continuously get the better of the other. Like you can't make one look like a chump. You know, they're yeah. both superheroes that everyone loves equally or one person will be, you know, in Superman's corner, the other person in Batman's. So he said it was a great dance to try and figure that all out so it's like superman got the upper hand here but batman gets the upper hand here and then continuously they go back and forth like that and i think that works and that's why it's such a standout uh movie i guess it was made into three episodes and then into a film so yeah that's my phone going off whoopsie <laughs> uh then we got when the new batman adventures was greenlit the creeper apparently he said was included in early drafts as being part of the bat family and I think that was a wow. very interesting but weird choice. I think, uh, as I said to Rich, I think it would have killed Conroy's very stoic, dark Batman performance if you had, like, this freakazoid-type character bouncing around the Batcave, you know what I mean? Being like, let's go here, Batman, and let's do this, and making jokes. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been a bit weird. So I'm glad they didn't do that. But it was interesting to find out that some of the first Bat family iterations in this in this DCAU, we're going to include the Creeper as as this like anti-hero. Uh, he wrote the in. Sorry, that would have been strange. Yeah, it would have been strange. He wrote the introduction of Tim Drake into the DCAU, uh, and the character was a mix of both Jason Todd and Tim Drake. He said that he took from in the comics, which you can definitely see. I mean, Tim Drake takes the tire off the Batmobile in the DCAU, and that's exactly how Jason Todd was discovered by by Batman in the comics. So that makes sense and he's got that like jason todd arrogance to him sometimes doesn't he yeah i i jason i think tim drake i do love dick grayson but as but i like him more as nightwing i think tim drake might be my favorite robin because i like his attitude he's got a bit more of an edge to him i like his costume more i like his voice more i think he's my preferred robin actually and he's the right age for a robin isn't he yeah, he's the kid. He's the boy wonder. Where yeah. this is, you know, the other ones, the the teen, 
Thunder. <laughs> I <couldn't think> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, he's in college, Dick Grayson, in the DCAU, whereas yeah, Tim Drake's like, he, like, like a twelve-year-old kid. It's like he has Spider-Man as a sidekick. Yeah, it's like he has Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, I, I'm surprised to hear that. I mean, I think I still always have a soft spot for Dick Grayson because you've always had a soft spot for Dick, but hey, oh, but yeah, uh, I know what you mean about Tim Drake and Matt Valencia when we had him on. Just hearing how he approached the character and his experiences just made that that character stand out even more to me. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Tim Drake as well. Uh, Rich also said that the singer. Cassidy in the episode Torch Song with Firefly. She was supposed to be this likable pop star uh, and Rich even wrote the lyrics to that Fire song that I, I so eloquently sung earlier and I even told Rich that we sing that song every now and then because it's just such a weird, mm. catchy terrible song and he said it was supposed to be like a Britney Spears type character, right? She was supposed to be this big pop sensation. It wasn't supposed to be a terrible song. It was supposed to be a really like well-performed song that Shirley Walker would have definitely smashed out the park. But apparently... Oh, fire, fire, I'm gonna <laughs> light ya. Oh, yeah. But no one's gonna light her. <laughs> <laughs> I struck all my matches. That's just so typically me. There's firefly. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I lit it again. <laughs> so yeah, uh, apparently Bruce Chin, Bruce Tim changed the Bruce character. Bruce Chin, Bruce, Bruce, I love Bruce Chin. <laughs> Bruce Tim changed the character after listening to Britney Spears on the radio with his kids when he was taking them to school, and he thought how annoying she was, and he just didn't like her. So he changed the entire character to, to Cassidy to just being this annoying bad singer. And Rich was always kind of bummed about that because he was like, it, you know. You've got this guy stalking Cassidy, Firefly, and it just doesn't make sense if she's just a non-likable, shitty singer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, fan-obsessed over someone that's not good. But still, the episode is still a great watch. Um, hey, there's plenty of modern-day singers that I think are no good that people are certainly fan-obsessed over, so I think true. it works for me. Yeah, that's a good point. He also talked about a sequel to the Firefly episode that never got made, where Cassidy is so obsessed with fire after her traumatic incident with Firefly that she becomes the next Firefly. Mm, okay. Then she really would be playing, if you play with her, you play with fire. Oops, oh, man. I'm now Firefly. You traumatized. <laughs> I'm not that innocent. Uh, wow, fact, I know I'm too many lyrics. I know too many lyrics to Britney Spears. Hey, Britney's got some bangers. Ba, 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 ba. I am Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> so he talked about Mean Seasons next. There's the episode, I don't know if you remember Mean Seasons, but it's a that model that had this like uh, expressionless mask on this white mask and she's this model then she's got these like chippendale henchmen and she essentially goes oh. after all these people that work in the industry and tries to seek revenge on them and you think that she's got this scarred horrible face underneath this mask but he talked about how bruce tim took uh the storyline of dr doom having no scars and just thinks that he's disfigured same with this model she is just she's gotten older and she wasn't being hired and she thought that she was disfigured. And it was a really great, like, delve into the psyche of, you know, a one-off villain. 
Um, just like Baby Doll, right? Like, it's, mm. as I was saying to Rich, like, Baby Doll's like that. And I've really come to appreciate those more as an adult, those types of episodes, because they they deal with some real serious things. Like he said, it was an, it was an episode that dealt with, like, ageism and sexism in cartoons way ahead of its time. Um, and also just that's where the t-rex came from in the bat cave because we see that robot t-rex in that episode and that's how it ends up in the bat cave oh, so you didn't put a that. story to it yeah we'll get to it way down the line when we get to the new batman adventures but it's a it's an interesting episode that i think usually gets overlooked he also wrote the episode old wounds um which is the episode where robin quits being dick grayson and we see why he quit and how it came to be how he came to be nightwing which is a great episode i think that's awesome Oh, Speaking me. of um, uh, stuff in the Bat Cave, I always wanted to. I have a, this little Batman pitch in my back pocket about the reason he keeps these trophies in the Bat Cave because, and it's called Almost Got Him because all of the things he keeps are like the closest he's ever come to death, like being squished by the coin or stomped by the well, T Rex. That's from, like, that's from Almost Got Him, the coin app. That's that is in that episode. I understand that, but I'm saying that okay. the reason, the only time Batman ever takes trophies home is a reminder of how close he was to death. Right. Like all of those those things are not fun knickknacks. Like, hey, look, it's a big T-Rex with a giant coin. Like, isn't that yeah. cool, Alfred? Like, oh, yes, sir, that's very cool. Love fucking <laughs> dusting that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, it's because he was, it's a cool, like a, a reminder of like, that's when they almost got you. So don't let that shit happen again. That's that's a, yeah, I like that. I mean, I think that that's definitely why he kept the coin, but then for it all to be in his cave as a reminder, mm. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that T-Rex, that robot T-Rex did almost get him in that mean seasons episode. He almost chomped his fucking head off. So mm. I would keep that T-Rex as well. But Rich said, um, obviously the T-Rex has been in the comics, but they included it more in the show because Jurassic Park was just so big at the time, like it was on Jurassic Park 2 around that time they were doing it, and everyone was dino mad, so that's Man, why I saw, did that. I saw the trading cards for The Lost World the other day, and I was like brought back to my childhood. The, I know. Just when we were those. moving to America, like it just, I remember stopping and getting like a Kinder Egg and a pack of Lost World trading cards, and I remember being like in our grandmother's house and opening them, and I, I was like obsessed with them. I was like, these are the coolest things I've ever seen. And then I remember saying to like our dad, like we were going to go visit our aunt. I was like, can we stop at a corner shop, like, and I can get some more? And he was like, yeah, it's fine. And I got more, oh. and I got like a shiny raptor, and I was like, oh my god, a shiny velociraptor! <laughs> I can die happy. I wonder where those went. I have no idea. Probably Our father the chucked them in yeah. the bin. <laughs> yeah, he probably did. What well, a cunt. Speaking of wounds and old wounds, hey he wrote that episode, and what I love is that there were two ideas for why Dick Grayson quit being Robin. One was from Rich, who said that Bruce is the one that brought Barbara into the Bat Cave and brought her into the Bat family, and obviously Dick Grayson had feelings for Barbara, and he saw that as like a betrayal, and that's why he quit. That's part of the episode. Then the other idea was from Paul Barbara, Dini, which... I hardly know her. Oh, God. I thought you were going to go, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other idea was from Paul Dini, who said that, well, I think Robin would leave because Batman has just gone too far. Like, he's he's crossed that line too many times, and he's scared, and he doesn't want to be a part of this, like, dynamic duo anymore. And the 
ever amazing Alan Burnett said, why don't we just use both those storylines in the episode and make it more of a reason why Dick Grayson would quit? And that's what happened because Batman like crosses the line and like basically beats up a guy in front of his family because he was helping the Joker and then gives him a job at the end, which is a really nice little touch yeah. of, of Batman to do. So, yeah, I think that's a great episode and what a cool thing to write. And then, of course, Bud, we've got Judgment Day, which is a secret favorite of ours. It's not a secret, but one that, you know, doesn't go in the top 10, but we really love because that judge character yes. is a great character. Um, so he, you know, Rich didn't know he was writing the last episode of Batman, but that is the last official episode in the Batman, the animated series universe. Oh, I didn't know made. that. Yeah. And uh, Rich said, you know, I, I, I was the one that killed Batman jokingly, but I think what he explained to me was I really wanted to go into an episode which dealt with kind of, you know, back to basics for Batman. And he said he was really heavily influenced by Hitchcock and specifically Psycho is what he said for this episode. And that makes sense because you've got this duality, oh, you know, so the and judge is essentially Norman Bates dressing up like his mother. Yes. And doesn't right. even know he's doing it. Right. Gotcha. And I love that they use Two-Face for that. And, of course, Alan Burnett was the one who kind of spearheaded the Two-Face in this universe. So he was the one that gave Rich his blessing of, like, yes, let's do this judge character and put it all together. And what I love is, you know, Rich said uh, he always wanted to write for Batman the Animated Series when it first came out, but he was tied up in contracts with other companies. So he couldn't do it. And he was watching all of his friends do this amazing <laughs> show and he was stuck doing i can't remember what it was it could have been like the smurfs or something and he's just like nah fuck i want to do this and then superman came along and he was finally free and alan burnett was like do you want to come write on superman and that's how he started writing yes i do yeah yes, absolutely. I do. please let me write on your teleshow <laughs> so he never got to write like you know the the first iteration of batman in this universe so he said i wanted to go back to an episode that had no Robin, no Bat family, no collect connected storylines to other episodes, no big team up. I just wanted to do a detective story with Batman on his own, facing off against one villain. You know, there's there's red herrings and it's a mystery and you want to see him just do his detective thing. And that's exactly what the episode does. And I think that's great because he didn't get to write those early episodes of the show, which is Batman just doing that, because mm -hmm. obviously when they start, they were just doing the basics. And I think it's great that the it's a nice bookend to the whole series, I think, is just, a, you know, let's just do Batman on his own doing his thing with this great one off villain. Because even though it's Two-Face, I said to Rich, I was like, you created a new Batman villain and a pretty cool one. You know, the judge looks cool. Yeah, very, very cool looking character. And I'm it's a shame that it is the last one because I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. But I guess I won't watch that for fucking years the way this show yeah. <laughs> yeah. pans out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh, well we will get to it hopefully but um we'll yeah, be old I think we'll be old being like do you remember this but yeah i think that the judge is a great character he looks a lot like um kind of like ring race you know but with the mm. with the judge uh wig on and i like how he's using different symbols as weapons from courtrooms like big yeah hammers it's and a swords. fucking cool story yeah, it is a cool story. So we will get to that. That will be the last episode 
of Batman. I don't know if it'll be the last episode of this show because we'll have some Batman Beyond episodes I want to review and the Return of the Joker movie and stuff like that that we'll get to. But it will be many years from now. So we'll probably forget we had this conversation. So, yeah, thanks, Rich. I will forget it in the next 10 minutes. (laughs) Thanks, Rich, for coming on. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about all of that good stuff. Then what we've got next for our next episode is a full interview with Kevin Altieri. I took pieces of it for our Feet of Clay review, but there was so much good stuff that I really wanted to share with people. So this is that full sort of director's cut of that interview. We talk about more Feet of Clay, especially about the voice actors in that episode, like Ed Asner and what it was like seeing him perform in the booth and, you know, seeing Ron Perlman and Ed Asner play off one another. That's in there. We've got um, his ideas about what the Batwing would have looked like if he had his way and what he wanted it to. And he's a big aviation guy. So he even drew me what his Batwing would have looked like and sent it to me, which will be yeah. the cover it'll be the cover of the episode because it's just so cool. So uh, it's really awesome. Can't wait for you guys to hear that. Plus, he talks about like the shows um, that he's done after that. He talks about the strikes in Hollywood and how it's affect directors and writers of animation, you know, because it, it's affecting them all differently. But like there's a specific niche for writers and directors of animation. And this strike is obviously really hurting them because they're not earning millions or hundreds of thousands yeah. you know they're they're just making a living and it's really difficult for them so it's affecting we, the comic industry as well it's it's crazy yeah it's crazy so we go into all of that so that will be next week all right bud we're going to do our only game of the day which is ace the bat sound This is a game that we play with you, the listener. Each week I'll play a brief music clip from the show and you have to guess who the character is or the title of the episode that the music belongs to. The answer to each clip will be revealed in the following episode. So last week we had this music clip. If you still don't know, here's a clue of a voice clip from that episode. Without Vertigo to lead them, his agents have all fled? Yes, but the Society of Shadows is no longer what it was. Well, I've got to get this back to Gotham City. Wait, I can't let you leave like this. Not with the drill. I thought I finally knew which side you were on. I should have known better. Considering that you knew where everything was in the monastery. How could you have? Unless you were one of them. Alright, bud. I don't know if you remember this episode, but it features the guy... Oh, man, I forgot his name now. Who's the guy that plays the one in Austin Powers? Not Mike Myers, but his, like, his kind of cue... Um, he's just been in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, I don't recently. know his name, but I know the guy. Yeah, oh man, is it Michael something? I feel like it's Michael something. I wouldn't know if you told me. 
Okay, well, he voices Vertigo. Do you remember the character Vertigo with the one eye, like he's got like an eye patch that has like a spinny thing that makes you feel off balance? Well, the episode is called Off Balance, where that music comes from. And it's again, it's an episode that kind of disappears in the ones that you remember. But uh, it's the introduction of Talia al Ghul and the League of Shadows into Batman the Animated Series. So, yeah, we'll get to that one. But that is where all of that music comes from. Oh, Austin. Hello. <laughs> um, fuck. His Bugger. name is... Tits. Yeah. <laughs> His name is... Um, Basil something is the name of the character. Oh, yeah. Hello, uh, Basil. Oh, Basil Exposition. That's his name. That's hilarious. That's funny. Yeah. And Michael York. I knew it was a Michael. Michael York is that is the name of that actor. All right, here's the musical clip for next week's episode where you have to name the episode that the music is from. Okay, no hints there besides it's quite a magical theme. A little bit of magic in there. Ha ha. Oh. All right, it's our next category of the day. You've got mail. Oh, by the way, this came for you an hour ago by messenger. You've got mail. Thank you, Alfred. This is a segment where I take all of the comments and all of the emails and all of the reviews, everything you guys send in, which is uh, we always appreciate and it helps us out so much. So if you haven't done that yet, whatever you're listening to us on right now, you could give us a review. That would be amazing. Or leave us a comment on YouTube or email us at Batman TS pod. That's super helpful. So first, we've got Rob Ailing on Apple Podcasts, five stars. Rob has said, just discovered this podcast through Instagram, and it's an absolutely brilliant podcast. An absolute treat for Bat fans with great attention to detail in regards to the episode reviews. Love the improv scenarios and overall makes me laugh and smile whether I'm editing or traveling to the London underground. Keep up the great work, lads. Uh, Rob Ailing, Bat fan and Bat filmmaker, has said that also, P.S., Two-Face Part 1 episode had me in stitches, especially when you made two puns and Alfred with a shotgun killing those who knew Bruce Wayne was Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember that. What was Alfred doing? Well, I mean, it was longer than 10 minutes ago, so of course you don't remember that. That's right, yeah. yeah. Deleted it. Uh, it. It was when... Um, Bruce uses his Batman voice where he goes, I'm more worried about the mental scars. And they're like, are you Batman? And Alfred has to kill everyone with a shotgun that he tells his identity to. And then it was two shots for you, Dent. (laughs) I'm glad I can make you laugh at your own joke. It sounds like that was a very funny thing to say. Next up, we've got listener Nicholas Calello who emailed in or Kaleo, I'm not sure, but I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And he says, hey, Alex and Will, first, I want to say that I really enjoy the podcast. I grew up watching Beatas, although I was born in 1978, so I believe I'm older than you two. You are. 
I like how you discuss other roles the voice actors have, and due to the difference in age, I relate some of the actors have other roles that aren't even mentioned, such as your review of Cat in the Claw. You mentioned Frank Welker and his amazing talent for animal sounds. I always associate Welker with the footstool dog in Beauty and the Beast, as well as the voice of Baby Kermit in Muppet Babies. Um, yeah, I, I, I gotta say, I mean, I, I would love to be able to list everybody's credits on this show, because obviously they've got a huge body of work. But I usually include the ones that just I know my brother is going to know because yeah. otherwise we're going to be here for a while. And I did see the Beauty and the Beast one, but you're not a massive Disney guy. So I think that would have just been like, oh, OK, another thing. Um, so, yeah, but thank you for writing in. And, yeah, I, there's loads of things that I see all the time and I think is awesome. But just for the, the flow of the show, I include the ones that I know are going to make my brother go, oh, that person. <laughs> And then finally, we've got an email from Danny Furley here who says, Hey guys, love what you guys do, and it really is the number one Batman the Animated Series podcast out there. That's I right. Wanted, that's right. I wanted to ask you both, since you are brothers, what is a memory that each of you have that has to do with Batman the Animated Series when you were growing up? One memory that you experienced for yourself, and the other being a memory that you witnessed with the other brother experiencing, if that makes any Slow sense. Slow down. It doesn't make any sense. I guess, I think what he's I, trying to say is... I have to say a memory i remember you say a memory you remember and then we have to say a memory that we remember together is that it no, no i think he's saying like what's your personal memory so it's like you remember something from batman and i yeah. remember something from batman and then what did i see you experience with batman like what memory do i have related to you with batman right like well i my memory related to you is you holding all the batman toys and you could i would never be able to play as batman so then I started playing as Spider-Man. So we had Spider-Man, Batman crossover. And you were like, yeah, so this is Wayne Manor over here. And you pointed to like two thirds of the whole room. And then you gave me a, a stool. And, you went, and that's, that's, that's Spider-Man space. That's his apartment. That's his apartment. I remember, I remember that. The, the yeah. WWF toys that we had, like all of their extra stuff is like yes. a little apartment. I remember all of that. Um, so I guess that's a memory that you experienced, but also includes me, I think. So you kind of did both in one story, I suppose. Oh, my God. It's so many a... fucking rules to this question. <laughs> well, sorry, Danny. Yeah, it was it was a bit confusing. But I think um, my answers would be my personal experience on my own, if that's the structure to the question, is um, watching Batman the Animated Series in New Jersey because... I think I've said this before, watching in England, I remember watching it at like our house or at friends' house, houses. But when I moved to America, everything was so different. But it was the first thing that I was like, this I recognize, like this feels familiar. So I have a vivid memory of watching. Um, it was actually, I think it was The Underdwellers or maybe The Forgotten. It was one of those types of episodes in our basement in New Jersey. And I remember just being like, oh, I feel better. Like, I feel better being here now because I've got, like, this Batman show. So that's my personal memory. And one that I share with uh, something I witnessed with you, I think the one that comes to my mind instantly is, again, to do with toys, where I won this Blue Peter contest mm. when I was a kid. Um, for the American listeners or anyone outside in the UK, Blue Peter is this kind of, like, um, here's what it looks like 
now and then here's one i made earlier you know kind of like one of those shows and they used to do amazing programs and like how to make this diorama or how to do this or you know it was a how-to show with all different levels and they had a contest where they're like right everybody every kid loves thunderbirds which was the show i'm i'm sure most people know what thunderbirds is there's been movies and stuff like that and they have all these cool vehicles and they wanted someone to create a new thunderbird and i drew a thunderbird that like was all of them it was like road it could go on roads it was sea it was air it was all of them and i like drew how it would transform and stuff it was like a transformer basically for thunderbirds and i won i think it was like third place which was a gift certificate to a toy shop worth 150 pounds now i was i was seven at the time right and i was like that's the most money i've ever seen in my life and it was such a big event for me that um, we went to London. We went to a toy shop named Hamley's and all four of us went. And I remember going into Hamley's and I remember going into the toy shop and it was all Batman, the animated series toys there. And I was like, that's what I want. I want to buy all of the Batman figures. So maybe that's why I had such ownership over those Batman figures, because I bought most of them with my prize money. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I bought I remember I bought Batman, Riddler and robin and you name it joker everybody i bought all of them and master the phantasm was out around that time so i got all of those toys as well and i remember our mum saying you have to give one to your brother and i was like but that's right this is but this is my money i was like i (laughs) i want she's like no but you can't take ownership over this you have to give him one and i was like all right which one am i willing to not be super like possessive over and the one that made the cut was two-face i gave you the two-face toy and i was like here you can have two-face and i remember we i were think it's like a fucking three-year-old i was like this ain't for me like this is just i was like i know what you're doing this yeah you were i think you were five but or, or four but yeah i remember like a few years later we were playing with the toys and I wanted to use Two Face, and you're like, "No, Two Face is fine." <laughs> Did I? I was like, yeah, and I was like, "You fuck." Fucking right, <laughs> uh, mate. That's my toy. Yeah, <laughs> I bet I didn't give a shit, but I was just like, "Motherfucker." Yeah, but probably that's I was mine. so possessive over toys. You're like, "You want to taste your own medicine?" Two Face is mine, bitch. Uh, I can get pretty Two Face, motherfucker. Yeah, you, you chose the right in... toy for me. <laughs> Very accurate. Uh, well thanks danny that was the memory that popped into my head thanks for writing in and if you enjoy this podcast please be sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever you're listening to us on right now as it helps us back grapple up the charts and attract both new listeners and guests and if you leave a review we might read it out on the pod at the end of each episode and please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform of choice if you haven't yet already and you can follow us on social media at batman tas pod on instagram tiktok facebook youtube everywhere but the app formerly known as twitter which is at batman tas pod one and that is because why because we are the number one batman the animated series podcast you goddamn right and in the description of this episode you'll find a tip jar where you can give us any amount of money you can afford to give if you so wish as we aren't billionaire playboy philanthropists any amount you can afford to give us is not necessary but always greatly appreciated and be sure to go follow my brother 
at Robson Inc. I-N-K on all his socials to stay up to date on what he's working on now and get a glimpse into the workday of a comic book artist and writer. Will, this is usually say, where I say, where can our listeners find you? But I've already <laughs> I've already said at Robson Inc. because I don't have this written down and it's off the top of my head. But where can they find you, bud? Where can they go and check hey, out Anywhere at Robson Inc. on the internet. That's Robson I-N-K. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, I'm there. Yeah. Uh, all right, bud, it's our last category of the day before we jet off, which is what you put in, in your holes. What is filling your holes and making you feel fulfilled? Rewatching what we do in the shadows, and it's just an incredibly funny show. It's just constantly cracking me up. And yeah, I, I think my favorite out of all of them is probably uh, Nandor, but I don't know why. He just, everything Nandor says makes me laugh, and he kind of has a bit of a sweet side to him. When like they saw yeah. a goat and he's like, "You are you're a very handsome goat," and like I just like <laughs> he's like he likes animals and stuff like it. it and I don't know everything he says is, is very funny, but they're all strong. Like that's the best thing about the show is every single one of the main cast is very funny and could probably hold a show themselves. You know? Yes, yeah, they are. It's a great show. Um, I really enjoyed the latest season. I I still think it's going strong. So yeah, I I can always watch episodes of that. It's good stuff. Um, anything else you're watching? Anything you're taking in, putting in your holes? I've um, been watching a few horror movies. I watched uh, The Mist with its terrible CGI, oh, yeah. but brilliant filmmaking. Frank Darabont movie. I totally forgot about that. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense, actually, and why it kind of stands out from the rest of being like, oh, that was actually you know a well-made horror movie. I feel like Frank Darabont may be the best guy to hire to um, adapt Stephen King stuff. He seems to always do a good job with it. What else has he done that's uh, well, Stephen he, King? He did uh, The Green Mile. He did um, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, of like, course. Oh, my God, yeah. He is, like, the man. Like, And, you know... He, I always forget he, that he Shawshank the... is, a, is a Stephen King story. I always forget yeah. that. And he started The Walking Dead as well. Like, that's... Yeah. It's, it's fucking... Dude's awesome. And it was fun watching The Mist because I'd never seen it. I knew the ending because it's one of those things. And I saw recently in the news that um, uh, Drew Barrymore is living the end of the mist right now because she wanted to bring her show back, even though the writer strikes were going on, and the, and everyone got mad at her. And then like two days later, the writer strike ended, so she's like, "Oh fuck!" So it's like <laughs> everyone's like, "She's living the ending of the mist right now." Um, <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. That's amazing. I seen her like apologize online and stuff like that, but I didn't know that that was the timing of it all. That's that's hilarious. Oh yeah. man, that's it terrible. was like the next day it happened. It's like, like, <laughs> just like Thomas oh, Jane. No. Nah! <laughs> um, so yeah, I watched that. Enjoyed it, even though the CGI was really bad. But the rest of the movie, I really right. liked, and a lot of it reminded me of that Cancel Lady W book of mine, where it was just. People in a pressure cooker breaking into different groups of religious beliefs due to a high, strenuous, scary situation. So I was I was really into it for that. But when I saw the film, I was like, oh, kind of did what I was semi-planning to do anyway. So I'm glad I canceled. Well, I didn't cancel that book. I'm glad that book's not happening now because it right. kind of, it's kind of been done. So watch that. I watched um, – what else did I watch? Daybreakers, which I haven't seen since mm. the theaters where you and I went to go see it back in like 2009 or whenever it was. Mm. And it held up. I really enjoyed it. And you know what? That film's got a lot of good practical effects in it as well. Seven heads flying and stuff. Like it was, uh, 
it's big concept stuff, and I really like that. And I, the, one of the future Outbreak stories I'm doing is kind of going to be like the zombie version of Daybreakers. So I'm looking forward to uh, to starting that, and I was definitely inspired from watching this again. And just other just random horror movies. I've been slowly watching Salem's Lot because I've seen clips from it for my whole life and stuff. And I've seen like the spooky kid floating in the window that I always thought looked really cool. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to check it out. But it's fucking slow, bud. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's why know, I'm I've, watching I've it only like heard 10 minutes about it. at a time. I've never, I don't even know what it's about, and I don't need you to tell me. I've, I saw it pop up in your Apple, and I was like, I've heard that title, but I know nothing. It's one of those things where it's like, I know that's a thing, but I have no idea what it's, it's about or like what it, 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 the premise is. Nothing. I have no concept. It's another very popular Stephen King book. Okay. Um, and it's a vampire book of his. Right. And... That's it. I've, I've had enough of vampires. Like I'm good. I've seen so much vampire stuff over the years. That, I'm in like, a vampire kick right now, so I, I, I'm just trying to get it all. But fuck, it was it was a made for TV like movie uh, show series, and they try to cut it into like a three hour and twenty minute movie. And fuck, it's so slow. And it's like it's like all right, I get you're trying to adapt the book, but like, do we need the scene where the guy catches his wife like cheating on him? Like, what is this doing for the plot? Right. I haven't seen a single fucking vampire yet. And I'm like an hour in. I'm like, come sounds on, like, guys. Sounds like this this movie sucks, bud. Sucks a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, but a, the yeah, creepy scenes have, have been creepy, so I've enjoyed that. And then I, I also, I bought a bunch of old horror movies, a bunch of Hammer movies that I haven't seen that I'm, I'm going to check out. Nice. Well, I'm watching Only Murders in the Building, the new season. I waited to like a bunch of episodes because I didn't like watching that week to week. And it's not as good as the other ones, but it's still enjoyable and it's still fun to watch a whodunit and like that old kind of Agatha Christie style, but with its own take. And, and it's it's got some I loved, good acting in it. Love season one. thought season one was brilliant. Um, I stopped watching in season two. I just the magic wasn't there for me anymore. Yeah, I get it. It was like one of those things where I was like, "This could have been a one-off." Like, yeah, it's we don't it's, need it's, more of this. it's a time filler for us. Most of the time, me and my girlfriend are like, "Oh yeah, let's watch the new episode," and then halfway through, we're kind of on our phones and we're checking out and checking back in. You know, we're not yeah. like watching it to to watch it. So it's all right. It's it's something. It's not bad. Um, then I watched a show called Painkillers on Netflix, which is all about. I watched a few episodes of that. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was just... I mean, I watched that Dope Sick show that came out a few years ago. I also watched a few episodes of that. I never finished either show. I guess the the subject of Oxycontin just did not interest me. Yeah, it it interests both me and my girlfriend just because it is crazy how a drug that was was heroin was put out onto the market and Mm. was on the market for years and years and, like being profited off of whilst everyone's life just went into shambles because it's fucking opium it's heroin like the, you take one or two of those bad boys and you are physically addicted to it it's crazy how many lives well, it's, it's goes case to case i've i've had oxycon in, in the past i just didn't like it i wasn't well, suddenly addicted to it yeah but i guess it depends on the pain you're subscribed prescribed like the size oh of i didn't have any pain baby <laughs> well that, okay <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm Ayo. glad. I'm glad <laughs> you're not on the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, I used to like drugs a lot in my old life. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I'm also watching Kirby Enthusiasm. Obviously, I talked about that last time. I'm binging that. It's been a great comfort show whilst I've been moving. But yeah, I haven't been able to watch a lot of stuff because I've moved house and that's been a hell of a lot of work. But um, I'm here now and I'm I'm settling in. And uh, what else? Oh, yeah, I watched Chinatown. I haven't seen Chinatown in a really long time. Oh, yeah. Um, and I I thoroughly enjoyed watching it again. Just yeah. the the mise en scene. Um, everything about that film is just is really captivating. The music, just seeing Jack Nicholson like in his prime, you know what I mean? Mm. Like just doing his thing. And I just I miss I miss film noir. I really do. I really miss it. I think it's such an amazing genre that just had such a a brief period in movies. Like well, maybe not so brief, but it hasn't been. We haven't seen a film noir in a very long time. Um, I watched L.A. Confidential because I felt like that was one of the last true film noirs before the genre kind of disappeared. Mm. Um, and I enjoyed that. I thought that was pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, Mobster Mash, segue, bring on some more film noir, baby. I want to see that right. shit. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, and that's all I'm putting in my hole. So is there anything you want to add, bud, before we jet off? Please, this is the final, it's the final countdown of my Kickstarter. Back it now. And if you don't back it, then just stop listening to this podcast. I'm done with you. (laughs) I don't like you. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm giving you this content for free. I I should be walking my dog right now and getting back to work, but I'm sitting here fucking doing this podcast and fucking talking to you. So (laughs) thank you to those that have backed my Kickstarter. You guys are the best and you've reached out and you're awesome and I love you a lot. I do this only for you guys. Everyone else? Go fuck yourself. But you can get on my good side if you go and back my Kickstarter today or before it ends on the early morning UK time, October 1st. Don't wait. Get it now. And if you're the guys that move my sofa and you do donate to his Kickstarter, still fuck you. I'll give you a, a, a free a free extra copy as a thank you for my brother being a dick. Uh, listen to the post credits to hear that story. Um, anyway, yeah, go check out his Kickstarter linked in the description of this episode and on his socials. Outbreaks. All right, well, outbreaks. All right, that's all the time we've got for this week. Join us next time where we'll continue talking all things Batman, the animated series. Until then, I've been Alex Robson. I've been Will Robson. And remember that we are vengeance. We are the night. We are a podcast. Goodbye. Play with me and you play with fire. Fire! Yeah, so I just had my sofa fucking delivered. Ooh, fresh sofa. Fresh sofa, new house. So if it sounds different, it sounds different. But work in progress. And the sofa arrived. The sofa guys arrived. And he's like, sofa? I'm like, yes. Yes, sofa. (laughs) And he's like, where's it going? I was like, in the living room, right here. He's like, there's already a sofa in there. (laughs) I'm like, yes. (laughs) That's the old sofa. Why didn't you remove your sofa, though? Well, we couldn't remove it last night and get it up the stairs. We just couldn't do it. But there's space in this living room to move the sofa over. So I was like, yes, I've been waiting for you. I thought we were going to get more of a heads up. He's like, well, you had a four-hour window. I was like, yes, I'm aware of that. But I needed the sofa before you arrived, and I thought you were going to give us a heads up. He gave us a 10-minute heads up. So I've been moving stuff around, and I've made room. And he's like, 
all right then, fine. So they start moving the sofa in immediately. And I haven't been able to move all the stuff out the way quickly. So I'm like, just give me one second, guys. It's not going to take me long just to shift this over. And they just stood there. They didn't help me. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, Thanks they're not going to help you, buddy. I think you're so. I I think I agree with the movers on this one. Well, if fuck I showed you. up, <laughs> if I showed up with a new sofa and I went, okay, where's it go? And I look in the room and there's a sofa in the room. I would also be like, why is the sofa still in there? Look, I've also bought a new sofa before. Do you know what I did? I moved the sofa out the way so when they came in, they put it right where it needs to go. Because that's okay, what people do when they buy sofas. They were here for 15 minutes. It wasn't like I kept them. You know and what I mean? Could you imagine you're fucking working and you get to a house where the sofa's there and then you go to move it in and some guy's like, oh, can you give me a second, please, while I deal with this? I'd be like, I have other sofas to deliver. You know, well, that's please, exactly you're what in the wrong. said. <laughs> I can't believe you're siding with them. And so did my girlfriend. She's like, well, you did know they were coming. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You did know they were coming. What have you been doing all day? Well, then, so then as he, so he was setting it up and he's like, you know, we have the right to refuse delivery if there's a, if there's furniture in here. And I'm like, okay, but you're already moving the sofa in. So I said, I was like, are you going to refuse? Because you've already started moving the sofa in. He's like, no, I'm just letting you know. And I was like, okay, thanks for letting me know. And I'm trying That's to him letting you know that he's fucked off. Yeah, but I'm trying to move this armchair out and he's talking to me and then I I totally turned into our dad where I was like, you know what? Instead of wasting our time talking about this meaningless bullshit, can you just let me move my chair out the way so we can get done faster since you need to get out of here so urgently? And he's like, yeah, all right then. And well, that's like, the hey. worst thing you could do. You sound like care. an awful client. Yep, he said as so we you had a, as you had a go at the guy bringing you your new sofa because you haven't moved the chair when you had a... Uh, how long was the window of this arrival? Four plus hours? Yes. How, what have you been doing for four plus hours? <laughs> what have you been doing? I've been Watching fucking podcasts. television, haven't you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Probably in the armchair covered in snacks. <laughs> then, I'm sorry, bud. Then, you're really in the wrong on this one. And then when he was leaving, he's like, well, that was a nightmare, but we got through it. And I was like, yep, yep, we did. Bye. And just slammed the door. <laughs> Am I the arsehole? <laughs> I don't care. If I'm the arsehole, fuck him. That's all I can say. So I now you're sitting care. in a room with two sofas and no armchair. Yes, and try to one, fit the one dog. One more to go. The dog's in here, just I'm crammed in. But uh, let's do a podcast. <laughs> well, it's probably a nice muffled sound with all that furniture in there. So yeah, good time. Yeah, to hopefully it sounds better than my last place. Yeah, well, um, sorry, if you're, if you're the listener and you're the movers, I apologize to my brother for not doing the basic thing of moving the sofa out of the way of where you put a new sofa or clearing space for it. If you are Anyway, hang on. He called you with a 10 minutes before we arrived as well, right? Yeah. So you could have moved that chair easily in 10 minutes. Well, to be fair, he didn't have my number. He called my girlfriend who's at work right now and she didn't liaise in time because she was in a meeting. So it was all like... How much time? 10 minutes. She didn't tell me because it was a 10 minute window. how, how, How long until she told you? She literally told me, like, as they were bringing the sofa in. Like, oh, I think the sofa guys are coming. Like, I mean, you could have started the day by moving the chair, though, right? Like, did the chair need to be there? Yeah, I could have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And the dog bed, like, they could have gone out of the room. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. If, but I if, was at your house it, yesterday. It's not a heavy-looking chair. Like, that could have been a quick job. Yeah, I know. I there's, You know how there's, like, meshing at the bottom of the sofa? There's like a mesh net thing. 
Well, as I was trying to move the armchair, I slipped and the fucking leg of the armchair went through the meshing on the new sofa and that really fucked me off. So there's already You a broke your bottom. new sofa already? There's there's a hole in the mesh at the bottom. You can't oh, fucking see that. Buddy, I know. I'm so sorry. I know. <laughs> it's just it's not been a good morning. <laughs> I would have gone right. ape shit if that happened. Well no one you lost your temper. That's yeah. annoying. Because it's like, well now I've damaged my new fucking sofa. Exactly. And they're just but watching me you move. You should be mad at yourself, really. <laughs> Not at them. I, thought I, I thought I had you back. I thought I had you back in my nope. corner. Nope. Uh, and if you are listening and you're the guys that delivered that sofa, fuck you. <laughs> Did you tip him? No, fuck that guy. <laughs> I had, well, real quick, I had these, when I was getting all the new furniture for my office, I had these two guys that were just the most grumpiest delivery people ever. Um, they showed up at the door and I opened the door and they were like, you didn't say on the form that we had to take it upstairs. I was like, there was nothing on the form for that. My wife did all of it. She's like, there was, th- there's no check mark upstairs or anything like that. She double checked to see if there's any of that stuff. I was like, okay, well, look, uh, I said to them, I was like, well, don't just leave it here. And they're like, oh, they like started getting the hump. They started bringing it all upstairs. I was on the stairs taking what they were giving and bringing it upstairs. So I was basically being like, you don't have to fucking go upstairs. I'll be the middleman. And then they they brought in the biggest piece of the wardrobe. And they're like, it's not going to fit, mate, or boss. That's what they call I hate when people fucking call me that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's boss. It's not going to fit up there, boss. I'm like, I didn't say this, but in my head, I'm like, it's a fucking bedroom wardrobe that's buildable i think it fits up a fucking flight of stairs right like that's what it's for so i said to him i just said just leave it there then mate just leave it there and i'll do it and then the moment i said that he was like, oh no and he started bringing up the stairs he was whacking into the stairs left dents all in my fucking wall and shit i gave him a terrible review and i gave I, him t- I, and this is I, what i, I, I also tipped him at the end i said sorry for your inconvenience so i gave him 10 pounds and he went oh and then left well, you were nicer than I am, but I just had that. They moved the sofa in the room, and it's been measured countless times, and they're like, don't think it's going to fit, mate. And I'm like, it will fit, and it has fit. They were just, I think they just want to complain. Like, I hate today, I don't like what I'm doing, and I just want to well, complain. Well, I'd have to if, I, if my life was moving furniture as well. It's fucking difficult. Yeah, it is. Well, your back would be fucked. Anyway, yeah. it's, been a, it's been a day. Anyway, this has been two podcast. posh people complaining about their furniture being moved <laughs> yeah. into their house. Ta-ta. Brand new furniture. <laughs> yes, brand new furniture. Isn't it awful when you can afford to buy lovely new fucking furniture? <laughs> and, and then someone comes and ruins the whole experience for you. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, you ready? 